Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Knowledge Panel, Episode 11. SEO for big brands is our topic for today. We've got some pretty big brands uh, and big names here as well. So I'm, I'm very, very pleased to have people on. I'm sorry that my uh, my house looks like I'm about to move. It's because I'm about to move. So uh, uh, apologies for that. Uh, but we've got uh, PlayStation, Uber, and Mog Media on today. So let's bring the guys in. Thank you ever so much for coming in. Uh, Louis, why don't we start with you? Um, tell us tell us about you know, who do you are and where do you come from, Louis? Hey, everyone. I'm really happy to be here, uh, first of all. Um, I'm, I'm Luis. I'm leading the SEO growth team uh, at Uber globally. And I'm from Mexico City. Right now, it's pretty sunny. And uh, yeah, I've been at SEO for about the last uh, nine years, working uh, in everything from small startups to agencies to now uh, big brands. Amazing. So uh, yeah, you're not allowed to sit there and say, Mexico City and hot. <laughs> Three of us at least are in the UK at the moment, so uh, outrageous. So, but anyway, lovely to have a really big brand on. Uh, we got another big brand that has made money. Turgay, please say who you are and where they come from. Sorry, I got permission to say that before I started. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Turgay. I work part of the global marketing team at PlayStation uh, as the global SEO lead. Um, I'm sort of responsible for the four properties or sites that we operate under the Sony Interactive Entertainment. Um, and I've been in SEO for about 12 years now running into. Um, so yeah, so just working pretty much client side and agency side all my life. So thank you both to you for coming on. Honestly, I really do appreciate it. And I'm sorry that sounded a bit, 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 bit no? snarky there, Louis. That wasn't meant to be snarky. Uber's I am making money, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's all we need to know. Uh, absolutely amazing brand and uh, and how you've taken over the uh, and, and, and dealt with uh, with transportation and uh, uh, and utilization of vehicles is uh, is absolutely amazing. So, uh, two big brands, and then somebody that spent a long time in the industry and is a very old friend of mine um, is is Martin. Martin, who are you, and where do you come from? Well, I, I take umbrage at the very old part of that uh, qualifier that you just brought me in on there. Thank you very much, Dixon. Uh, yes, we have known each other for a long time now. Um, I'm Martin McDonald. I uh, currently run an SEO consultancy for enterprise companies and, and global brands. Uh, but prior to that, I spent six, seven years uh, bouncing around and heading up SEO for different divisions within Expedia. Uh, before that, I was agency side for a very short amount of time at Omnicom. Um, and prior to that, I worked in other big brands, mainly in the gambling industry um, for about 10 years as well. So all things considered, I've been doing SEO and skilled SEO for at least 14 years. And before that, I was doing my own thing in SEO for about another seven. So uh, as my dad would say, I'm useless at anything else at this point in time. But thankfully, SEO is doing all right. Amazing. Thank you very much. And uh, everybody uh, should know, and if they don't, here's the advert for inlinks.net, who are sponsoring the whole event and put the Knowledge Panel show on. Uh, and I just should just bring in my producer, David. So, David, come and say hello and make sure I've said everything I'm supposed to do before we start. You have indeed. I just want to make sure that everyone's listening um, as a podcast is aware that we broadcast live as well. So just go to theknowledgepanelshow.com. You can sign up to wherever you want to watch. Maybe it's a better place for you to watch um, at that particular page. Uh, okay, we'll talk about next episodes and things at the end. Uh, but uh, I wanted to set off with uh, my favourite topic, which uh, is really a takeaway in case people haven't got time to listen to the whole podcast. So we're talking about SEO for big brands. So if you had one tip that you wanted people to walk away with, about 
um, about SEO for big brands, you know, something to do or something to don't do, uh, where would you send them off? So I'm going to I'm going to let Martin go off with that one first because he'll jump in pretty quick. Just one tip so that uh, anybody that hasn't got time to listen to the show can get on. Completely fair. So I mean, if you're an enterprise SEO or you're um, kind of just getting started in your enterprise career, the first and most important thing that you should be aware of and taken advantage of is the scale that's brought to you by being an enterprise SEO. So um, <clears throat> when you look at your competitive ranking advantage against other sites that might be regional or local, you have a huge inherent advantage just built into the amount of domain equity that you have, the amount of historical links you have pointing at your site. And the main responsibility that you've got is actioning things in such a way that you can provide a good environment for Google to crawl and understand the content on your site, but also surface the stuff that's most important at the very top of that list. So it's much more about architecture than it is about kind of looking at individual page targeting, if you like. Turgay, you got anything that, that jump in on that one? Yeah, just uh, just exactly the same points as uh, Martin mentioned. The other point that I would definitely uh, concentrate on is being uh, focusing on the project uh, management side. So. Uh, the facilitating the uh, the change within the organization and the information that is widely available. Not many companies utilize the data and the information that they have. So actually taking that and actually building a, a framework that actually works for you. So uh, there's lots and lots of really useful insights and data that you can use to form content marketing initiatives, uh, as well as actually um, building up some uh, opportunities to bring new layers of information to outrank your competitors in that space. So uh, definitely utilizing the data aspect uh, and, and the scale that you have within there. Louis, any other thoughts on there? Yeah, definitely. And, and I would like to build up a little bit on, on, on what the guys are saying. I mean, definitely continuing to flex your muscle. It, it's something that, that we should all strive to, to, to continue doing. That gives us just that edge and that advantage with, with, with the rest of the companies. And then second, I would say that it's, it's important to test and learn, especially because you, you probably have a large side, you have a large amount of audience. You can really understand what is going on with trends, with different changes of, of uh, search intents, with different uh, tactics or strategies that are uh, successful. So I think that it's important that you also continue learning and testing, not necessarily just considering I'm, I'm at the top of my industry or I'm a big brand. Um, it's, it's continuous learning, continuous evolution. Okay. So in that case, I'm going to come around the, the other the, the other way down there. I think we'll get back to scale and stuff because it's going to be a re recurring theme, no point, no doubt. And and, and the fact that you guys are, you know, <clears throat> brand big brand driven, that's uh, inevitable really. So, uh, but Turgay, what about... Um, what about the role then for for um, agencies in that process? You know, does does that mean do you at PlayStation do you mostly do all your SEO in house, or do you outsource, or do you use agencies and consultancies, or is it you know everything's in a closed shop at PlayStation, or or and and how do you think is the best best way for big brands to go? So we've we've taken a hybrid approach as we certainly won't have all the capabilities and the skill sets we need internally, um, especially when it comes to international markets. We have a gap in knowledge in terms of certain certain markets, how we operate and how we sort of appear within those markets is, is certainly a challenge. An example could be, you know, uh, we're, we're trying to compete in China, uh, Korea. These markets tend to offer different scales of challenges to us. So we do have the model of a hybrid where we do get consultants in agencies in 
to fulfill those gaps, but majority of the other tech stack, we we tend to manage ourselves in house at the moment. Oh, that's kind of interesting. So you, you're 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 if you bring in people, it's usually by by country um, as and opposed skill to sets that gaps yeah. that we clearly have. As well. Okay, okay. So if you're an agency, then be specialist in a something. Is is a short thing <laughs> yeah. in there. So yeah. so Louis, I think an interesting journey for Uber. You were all outsourced and you've gradually moved in-house. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, definitely. So, so we noticed that but, but there was a, a lot of different organizational changes that um, showed us the opportunity to improve how we did things internally as well. And we started to consolidate all the different core capacities of, of SEO, right? So all, all our tools uh, and experts are in-house where and where we try to leverage some external partners are definitely on some parts of the technology that we are still building up or that offer a really big competitive advantage and then second we um we try to do things at scale so that means that something we need a lot more muscle and more hands than the ones that we have in the house so that's a little bit of what we do and, and in terms of the journey i think that it's important that you keep um, all the different core capacities in-house because that's where the learnings come from. If you're building up uh, all of your data uh, sources, if you're building up your reportings or your strategies in-house, that would give you probably a lot more uh, insight in what's, in what's going on. Um, I think that even for some markets, at least at Uber, what we try to do is to flex that muscle that we have in-house. It's a massive company with offices everywhere. So there is a Japanese person, there is uh, an Irish person, there is someone that can tell us this is how you search for things. Um, a very, a, a very um, interesting example that we have so far is Japan specifically, right? Where you have a character-based language that doesn't necessarily follow conventional rules of SEO in, in, in other parts. Um, and, and, and generally, I think that it's important to understand that, you know, people search things very differently. There's about three versions of Japanese that you can search with food delivery, for example. Um, so all of those learnings helps us out to then bring it up to scale. Because if in Japan there's a different way to call out for a different uh, food, why wouldn't that exist elsewhere? Why, why don't we have that in other markets? So, so that, that cycle gets done um, in-house. And again, for, from uh, external partners, I think that what we uh, use the most is, is precisely that muscle and, and helping us out speed up the scale up of things. Okay, that's interesting. So uh, it's good to see the uh, the brands talking first. But um, Martin, you've been uh, you've been brand side in house for for ages and ages. But now you're you know you're outside looking in, so to speak. So what does the what does what does the agency or technology approach have that uh, that gives them a, a, a some leverage into working with big brands. I might be shooting myself on the foot a little bit here, but I I absolutely agree with uh, Luisa's response there, saying that I think most things should be handled in-house as much as possible. And it's interesting that Turga is also saying the same, that there's been you know somewhat of a, a migration and they use uh, agencies sparingly and for local knowledge where that might not otherwise be available. Now, I mean, if you're on the scale of Uber then and you've got offices all over the world, then I think it makes sense to have as much as is possible in-house so that you're not reliant on third parties. I mean, this, you know, obviously my business model right now is the complete opposite of that. But if you are that business that's got that scale, that is absolutely the best approach. The benefit that an external agency can come, can bring to anything is going to be a wider view as to what's going on within other industries, if you like, or what's going on with other niches and verticals in Google and looking at, um, like, for instance, CTR across different industries and having more of a refined kind of keyword research approach and things like that. But, you know, I, I don't think that there is a right or a wrong answer here. Like, I don't think that, um, you know, 
all large companies should employ agencies. I think in a perfect world, then every large enterprise company would be able to fulfill all of the roles that are needed for all its, all of its critical marketing entirely in-house. The reality is, is that most large companies, um, the same as small companies, but you know, most large companies don't live in that perfect world where they have a Japanese office and they're able to, you know, speak to their people in Japan and find out what search behavior is, or you know, they might not even have, say, if it's a UK company and it's a reasonably large company in the UK, they may not have an office in America or in Ireland. And frankly, it may seem like minor differences, but the reality is it's it's not because people's search behavior, even between the UK, Ireland in the US is vastly different across many, many different verticals. So, you know, working with an external agency gives you the ability to be able to scale your knowledge acquisition. But certainly, I think, and this is the way that I've been working for the last four years that I've, I've been kind of agency side now, is that you can't just you can't just palm off a thing to an external agency and expect your SEO to get better. It needs to be done entirely in cross collaboration. So, the, I mean, the only way of getting this relationship to work really is to is to have the agency or the consultancy as part of your team, who you know are working with your product team for deliverables, who are working and understand what the reporting of the KPIs are internally, and so on and so forth. So, you know, I I don't think that it's a fair statement. Whereas it might be with smaller business is saying, oh, you can just get the agency to do that because it needs to be a cross-collaborative effort, which really means that they become an extension of your team rather than just a vendor of services at that point. Okay, so uh, oftentimes, I would say, Lou, you want to jump in there? Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and now that Martin shot, uh, shot himself on the right foot, let me shoot myself on the, on the left one. Um, <laughs> and I, I do think that it's a, you know, a hybrid model or so, somewhere where you are actually leveraging these different resources that you have at hand to be, to be more efficient and to be more impactful. I think that that's the right answer, right? If, if that's uh, by having to outsource some of the parts of, of the strategy or the execution of the strategy, that should be okay. You know, in, in, in many, uh, not only big brands, but also in small brands, you find yourself to be the only SEO expert or the few SEO experts. Obviously, you need to get more hands at work to, to get things uh, done efficiently. So, so, so I do think that, you know, a, a hybrid model or somewhere where you understand that it's also a resource that you should leverage in, it's never a white or black situation. It's always a little bit gray. All right, guys. So I, what I want to do now, uh, by the way, if there is anybody on the, on live that wants to ask questions, then we will take questions live. Uh, I know the majority are in the podcast, but uh, if you do want to ask one, you can ask on YouTube or on Facebook, um, and uh, David will pick them up um, if if you, if you have any. But I uh, I wanted to flip over now and 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 go to, you know, imagining that you know you're that SEO in a big big brand. You've just arrived in an organization as an in-house SEO in a big brand. Um, what are some of the things that you should check for, really, as you as you as you as you go into that organization? What are the things that perhaps stood out for you, or the things that you were careful when you came in to to, to find out about before you put your boot in, so to speak? And I'll 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 go again with uh, with Terge on there. The first thing that mattered for me when I joined uh, uh, some of the big brands that I worked for um, was understanding who is doing what and i think a lot of the times as seo we tend to just do a site audit we tend to just look at the problems of the site and then assume that we've got a backlog of information that we can then present back to the business but actually you need to understand the ecosystem of how the products work and how uh, the teams function within the organization once you understand the ecosystem then it's easier to start to actually bake in seo within their 
their sort of um, work streams and activities as a lot of the times uh, resource isn't that um, that great even though we think as a big brands we have huge resource we actually don't um, it's not it's not that big brands have unlimited amount of uh, headcount to be able to do certain activities so being part of that ecosystem and then building SEO into that ecosystem uh, tends to work much better. Um, then you start to be part of the sprint cycles or you, you tend to be become part of the product innovation cycles or growth initiatives that the company has that you start to bring in learnings in there. So I think that is one of the things that I would definitely get people to start. Can I, can I follow up a question on that then? Because uh, so without you having to talk about, you know, any secrets at PlayStation in big brands that you've worked in, is, uh, is there a fairly clear organizational chart where you can see who's doing what or is that muddled as well and, and trying to find that out is a is much more of a go and talk to so-and-so kind of build up your, your your own picture i think most organizations do have a good org chart um but most of the times the uh, the audit that you should be running is uh, fundamentally trying to understand uh, who fundamentally did this change on this website um at what stage of the cycle so once you start to understand who the product team are, who the engineering team is, who's the editors or authors within the, each area, then it becomes easier to work out your own org chart within that space and then seeing how do you want to kind of get yourself in um, from education to workshop sessions to bringing them awareness of things around SEO. So th that tends to work much better for me um, and rather than the other way around where you have to try and argue uh, a, a particular task or an activity with 50 other people who's trying to do the same. I love that. That's a great insight, Turgo. Thank you very much. Uh, so Martin, in-house SEO, they come in first day. What do they What do they look for? Where are all the skeletons buried? Um, I, I, I think I, in a more serious way, um, kind of echoing what Turgo was saying a moment ago, is understanding the ownership and the stakeholders for everything that might be related to what it is that you're doing. So, I mean, I've seen on more than one occasion, um, you know, moving into uh, someone moving into a big brand SEO position and fundamentally not understanding that, for instance, there might be a content team that is not driven by SEO KPIs that are also responsible for the production of all of the content that goes out onto that site or that network of sites. That's something that I've seen more than once. Um, the same goes for PR and link building as well. So, you know, if you're a, if you're an SEO for an SMB, typically you are also by definition a PR. Um, however, when you move into the enterprise world, you typically have to steer very, very clear of that because one, you're not the stakeholder or the owner of that side of the business in the slightest, but also what you want to achieve may well be, um, you know, completely opposite to the things that that team want to achieve. So you need to have a clear understanding of who has ownership and which teams have ownership over what items are directly impactful to your job um, and who those stakeholders are, and then develop and build a very strong relationship with those people. Because unless you've got that, it doesn't matter if you're the best SEO in the world, you're not going to achieve anything. So, so that's the kind of first and foremost thing. Um, something that occurred to me as Turgo was speaking as well, um, to, to go back to the you know, loop in the first question is one of the other benefits of actually being a third party is that it gives me the ability to say to, I, I only work with two or three clients at a time. I'll so, take the blame. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, no, but also say, hey, listen, 
structure-wise, you guys have got this problem because, you know, the SEO team need this content produced, but your content team are entirely focused on brand voice EVNs, content. Yeah. So on, so, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, it gives, it actually is a third party. It's often easier having that conversation with the powers that be in any enterprise saying, listen, I, you know, I'm an external person. I can tell you this is the problem. You need to change this in order to have success on this side of the business. So on and so forth. Louis, what are your thoughts on uh, being the SEO coming in? I, I definitely agree with the guys that you know building relationships is a, it's, a, it's a big part of the task and understanding politics and how things get to to move um, are, are quite quite key. I would say one of the, the key priorities. Uh, the next one and, and perhaps going a uh, level deeper into this is, is understanding the technology that you have at hand. Uh, even if you work for one of the greatest apps in the world, doesn't necessarily mean that you have a great website to work with or great CMS or a great uh, data science team. So, so you know, you would not imagine that when you go into these uh, big companies and, and so on, you, 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 you want, I, I wanted to believe that everything was going to be sorted out, but uh, it, it turned out to be the, the opposite. And we've had the chance to actually build all that up. Um, it, it, it is important to know what toys do you have to play with, uh, to, to, to play with. Um, and, and then building up a little bit on that um, building relationships part uh, that Martin was talking about, <clears throat> totally agree. You won't be able to do anything without anybody else's help. Uh, you need a data science team that, that is probably not going to report into SEO or ever will be uh, having a, an exclusive data science team for SEO. So it's important that you are able to showcase the big opportunities that you have at hand and how the collaboration with the different teams unlocks that opportunity. So, so I think that everybody wants to shine in their own positions and everybody wants to bring in like, hey guys, we brought in extra million sessions or conversions, whatever you're tracking on. And and, and they want to be part of that as long as, you know, that, that, that goal is actually well showcased. Um, it's definitely going to be a successful uh, strategy. In that case, okay, I want to want to want to move uh, again to to another another topic because I want to make sure I include anybody in the audiences uh, here. If um, how how does big brands? How do you as big brands deal with the minnows? So, what what have what have the uh, the minnows? got that you haven't got that challenges you in organic search so uh, the, the the little guys and um and at, at what point do you get the lawyers out to start jumping on you know you know people doing uber lookalike brands or playstation lookalike brands i mean do you if if you're not playstation do you just not worry about um uh, or or uber or you know anyone else you'd not worry about uh people uh um fighting within your brand space so to speak i an example i had I've, we just today put up a i put up a course on udemy a free course for anybody for seo entity seo for content writers so how to, how to look at uh, seo and write content uh from an entity perspective and uh, I, and it's a free course and udemy has lost all their free courses so i couldn't find it. so i had to go and find the link for the free courses and uh and there was an uberfreecourses.org or something like that, completely unofficial. So uh, ranking above or below, I don't know, Udemy. So so I guess my question here is, what has the small companies got that you guys are worried about that you haven't got as a, as a, as a large brand? Uh, and how do you react to those little guys um, when they start biting at your toes? I, I'm, who wants to take that one first? Well, in reality, I think that it needs to be a, a, a situation that is according to, to what you're living in, what kind of space are you competing with? 
in, in the space of Uber, for example, more than people trying to hop on the Uber brand. I think that there were certain parts of the content that, that we failed to see at the beginning that they were going to be an actual success. So for example, promo codes. Um, I think that promo codes, if you just Google Uber promo codes, they're going to find a ton of pages that would offer you some sort of non-working code. Only the official website offers the, the actual working code. And, and, and generally, I think that it's important to understand that you need to see beyond the relationship that people are having with your product or with your service and understand what will go us around it um, in, in terms of really doing something about it or not and, and how, how we will defend from that. I think that at least in the situation of Uber, the brand itself broadcasts a, a wide net of news and uh, topics to have to, to, to have news websites writing about, etc. So it really there's going to be a large chunk of websites to rank before somebody you know ill intention or is trying to hop on our uh, brand success to, to to actually have any visibility from that. Um, and something that I would say that um, I'm at least I'm cautious not of, of small players or anything like that, but generally the speed of execution really changes when you're scaling up into companies. Uh, sometimes what, what smaller companies, smaller websites would have is that you can change the title within 30 seconds. That may take you longer at a large, larger company. And, and I think that reacting to that space is something that at least we are striving to do. Um, to build up something at scale that can be fast as well. Martin, I'll let you come in then. Well, I think I, I think I can just echo the last thing that Luis said there. Um, when I when I first started at Expedia, if you bring your hat, yeah, keep keep your mouth forward close to the microphone, then the echo won't be there. So that's fine. <laughs> oh, fair, fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, when I when I first started at Expedia, it was um, six months. If you chose the wrong day of the year to change a title tag it was six months before that actually got changed and put out into production. So, so yes, I mean, things got dramatically better during the time I was there. That is no longer the case. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a perfect example. And the reality is... Um, the reality is that smaller companies um, have got this time to market advantage, right? You've got a new feature that is implemented or a new feature that's published by Google. Uh, I don't know, back in history, it might have been the canonical tag 10 years ago, whatever the case may be. And a small website that doesn't have baked into it, you know, a six, eight, 10, 12 week delivery cycle for any Jira tickets is simply going to be able to react to that much quicker. Um, the, the disadvantage, and the other advantage that they've got is that they might be able to pick on specific niches of keywords and really dominate them. So, you know, if we were looking in travel, it, it's possible for a, a small competitor to, for instance, rank really well for like Barbados hotels, right? That that individual term or terms related very tightly to it, but it's never going to have the ability to rank on a global scale against one of the big players in the industry. So, you know, when you look at that from the large brand side of things um, and look at that in scale across the entire planet, then you just need to have the, the internal site architecture that's enough to, at the very least, compete against all of these small players that are more geographically niche than you are, um, and then just completely dominate them in total content provision, basically. Um, the you, you asked a second part of that question, which was along the lines of, you know, when do you get legal involved thinking? I think the thinking there was if you're a big brand and they're encroaching on your brand terms or something. But um, I mean, I can say it, I can say that most of my experience from that is the other way around, where one of our KPIs is to rank for, was to rank for every hotel name in the world, whereas every <laughs> hotel in the world wishes to also rank for their own name. Um, so that was a weekly conversation that I had at one point in my life was, um, you know, so-and-so revenue manager from so-and-so hotel wants to know why you've got a page on their website that mentions their name. And we're like, well, you know, we're, we're 
selling it for you. So it goes back to the relationship building side of things again. I think, um, you know, certainly if you're outside of the, the, the confines of brand encroachment, ensuring that everyone's happy with what's going on is generally the best way forward rather than getting the legal teams involved. That's always been my that's always been my way of approaching that. Yeah, uh, I just extending to what the guys have been saying. I think uh, you know we've, we've, in my perspective, in my experience, uh, we've got two challenges. One is from a branding perspective. Uh, we have brand guidelines which restrict us to talk about certain top- topics and subjects, which other websites are open to talk about. Um, so that's one of the reasons why we can't rank for certain keywords. And I'll just give an example best PlayStation 4 games, for example. We can't use the word best because it's we can't flag and be able to say to rate our own games, for example. So we have to let that third parties kind of dominate in that space. So if you look at the keyword landscape, we've got a massive gap in that space, for example. So um, then the other part of it is, as uh, the guys alluded towards, scalability. So um, we've, we're, we're, we're looking at how do we counter that? So in, in areas that we can actually compete and we should be number one, um, we're trying to build automation rules. So some tactics that we're trying to apply, how do we get you know, the, the, the keyword insights and data embedded into the framework of our projects without actually going through and doing a bit of a keyword research? So that framework is we're trying to build and that ecosystem we're trying to build into the, the, the product cycle. So that's something that we're, we're starting to see some of that fruit come to bear. So hopefully in, you know, in the future, we'll start to compete much more faster against, our, uh, against smaller brands and stuff. So, but at the meantime, it's because of scalability is the issue. Okay, I want to bring in a question from Thomas Schultz, who's uh, asked in from YouTube, uh, and uh, he's uh, he's asking. Um, before I let anyone answer, I'm going to say a little story about uh, if if that's okay. Uh, he he asked regarding international markets. Do you have specific tips for Africa? I work for IOBA brackets American. Uh, oh, sorry, African WeChat, uh, and the infrastructure and behaviour is very different and more diverse uh, than what we're used to. So, Thomas, one thing I'll I'll say is. Um, I once I once uh, was at an award um, for e- international export from the UK when I was with my, my other business, my, my previous business, Majestic, and uh, and we won an award. And um, I was Princess Anne was coming down, shaking the hands of the winners, and I knew she was going to say, "What what do you do?" And um, so as she came down, and she did, she went up and said, "So what do you do?" And uh, I said, well, we're kind of like a, a scrappy Google, thinking that was a really good way of explaining it very quickly. And without missing a beat, she said, you are not a scrappy Google. You are a jewel in the British Empire, British crown. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and without missing a beat, she told me that you should never say, I work for IOBA, brackets, Ameri- African WeChat. You work for IOBA. Be proud of IOBA. That's my tip there. So, But the African markets... Uh, is a, is an interesting question. It's a very different place. Who wants to jump in on that? I'll let Martin go first because he's nodding away. Hey, Thomas. Uh, Thomas and I worked together about 14, 15 years ago. Um, the So it's an interesting question, and I'm going to answer this in context of currently living in the Caribbean, which is our local search results are basically not very useful compared to what I was used to living in the US or indeed in the UK. So people's behavior for finding new products um, is often not the same as it is within European markets or within the US markets. So my first question overall is, where are um, we, ch- <laughs> where are, sorry, there's a follow-up there. Um, 
where uh, where is WeChat getting its um, market from in the countries Ioba. that you're targeting? Ioba. <laughs> uh, sorry, no, 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 no. But specifically, like right. the comparison, because he says right. we are the African WeChat, and the the question in that case is: so if WeChat are already Im- you know embedded in the markets that he's in, where did they get their market um, share from? Where are people sharing this information? Is it shared through social media? Is it shared on search? Are there you know non? In- I know this is a ridiculous thing to say as an SEO show, but what other non-SEO ways are there of targeting that market and getting the brand message out there? How are you messaging it to the people? Um, you know, all of these things that are, you know, items that really have to be thought about very carefully when looking at any digital marketing in these countries, because often the searcher behavior is entirely different because the result set in the first place isn't as useful. So, you know, you, you need to be very careful about approaching the market in the right way first. Um, and uh, for specific SEO tips on this individual website, I'll hit you up on Messenger later on. That's that's my other response back to Thomas. Uh, Louis or Turgay, do you want to jump in? Uh, definitely. I, I think that, you know, what's really important to understand, not necessarily about just African countries, it's just about any country that you're actually trying to do, to do your marketing. It, it's, it's always going to be diverse. You know? There's always going to be unexpected ways that people are trying to find your services. Maybe people they don't even know that they need your service, but um, they're still searching for it. Embrace that the diversity. Embrace the different ways that people are trying to connect with you and, 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 and put something out there. Put some content that speaks to those kind of people i understand that you know it may be a challenge to do that at scale in the beginning but especially when you're trying to gain more market share from some from some of the the big guys it's important that you create this core audience so to speak that you understand really what is your competitive advantage against everyone else and bring that people in Uh, embrace that difference it's really good that you have people trying to find your services in different ways Um, it's it's not always the case. So I've got something I want to jump 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 in there. But Sergey, you got, got got anything to add in there? Not much to say, other than as I'm not very exposed into the say the African market myself. But the it's fundamentally the same tips in any market as you know Louis or Martin has been expressing into you know the the way we've seen it in some of the niche markets that we operated in. We 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 clearly had a massive gap in certain markets. But when we actually went into the market, we realised. Um, you know, there's so much useless content out there that you could easily optimize and get right. Uh, and it's just because the learnings from a global brand perspective that you can bring into that market does tend to actually work really well. So, so some examples that we we've seen, for example, in certain markets, we saw that people were answering questions, but they weren't going into depth around them or they were going into giving a, a, an answer, but they weren't actually giving any citations to any sources or any information. So you didn't know if it was from a legitimate source. So we, uh, when we went into that space, we started to obviously add value by bringing in actually data that other people couldn't actually uh, share in that scale. So certainly utilize you know, the, the, the expertise that you have and bring it into that market. And I think that will work either way in your favor can i just add one thing as well before you say anything dixon uh that there is actually um like the best possible answer to this is alex schultz from facebook um gave a webinar at stanford uh it's on youtube it's about four or five years old now if you search for alex schultz facebook growth webinar you will see a video from stanford where he specifically addresses how facebook grew in these tertiary markets and it's an amazing watch like it's absolutely fantastic i strongly recommend it but it also would be the best possible answer to Thomas's question as well. Uh, so, as, as a couple of things that uh, uh, maybe maybe the, the the panel will disagree with me, but there's 
a few things that I think are important in the African market. The first is um, certainly still a, a, in some parts of Africa a lack of 3G. So a lot of people are still not on um, on the same phones, uh, and they're certainly using phones, not laptops, and, and not not uh, not computers. And they're growing later um, using a more modern technology from from mobile phones. So I think in that regard, I would suggest that maybe IOBA has, if they can get it right, a real advantage because you're part of the solution for other internet marketers because you own a communications platform. Uh, and if you get it right, you can maybe use that to your advantage so that you know all the internet marketers are trying to use and amplify IOBA in trying to get their message out to their people. I'm not quite sure how to do that. It's a big conversation. But I think it's worth thinking about you know, trying to be part of the solution, not part of everybody else's problem because you're in a unique position. The other thing I, I, I would say, and that's really with my my Inlinks hat on, um, Inlinks is is all about entities and, and understanding the world in, in, in terms of entities and topics. And uh, Google Discover, interestingly, is a very interesting way of entities um, prolifer proliferating out into uh, into into the, the search world um, because uh, Google Android is probably fairly big, I'm guessing, in, uh, in, in Africa. Um, and uh, they pop up entities when they work out the habits of user behavior. So you can go on and it pops up on, on a Google phone saying, here's an interesting web page from on hiking because I know that you're interested in the topic entity concept of hiking. So um, thinking about SEO in terms of entities, which is obviously in linksys.net's point of view, um, I think is a real advantage because it allows you to take the um, take the high ground and allow Google to find your customer at least in things like Google Discover, rather than just purely through original search. Um, I don't know if uh, the world, the, the the other panelists disagree with me there, but there's a couple of thoughts to put in there. Um, and if you do, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take 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 the nods that I can see from Martin across the table there. Sorry if you're on uh, if you're on um, uh, Apple or whatever, Spotify or whatever. Uh, okay, so. Um, I'm going to going to finish up. We're nearly already at the end, so I'm going to finish up with uh, with uh, a question about um, tools and the shortcomings of SEO tools um, at scale, of which Inlink certainly has some problems at scale. So you know, don't uh, uh, I'm not just singing a problem th about their, their their things, but uh, um, I'm going to I'm going to end up with with. Um, Mog Media, because I know that Mog Media have got um, some pretty cool tools targeted at the at the enterprise market. So I'm going to go back down the other way and 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 uh, and start with uh, with Turkey, I think, uh, and and say, look, what what are some of the shortcomings that tools have at scale um, that that you're seeing, um, and how are you dealing with those? I think the the shortcut that we're seeing is around the API um, uh, restrictions that we end up uh, either because there's a limitation in terms of the data pool that you can do, and also the data points that you're working off. Uh, not all data is kind of connected with each other, so you you get a degree of information coming from different sources, and they don't actually tell you the same story. So it's about the, how do we basically get into that sort of um, mindset of connecting the information that we've got, we've got and also connecting it with the information we're trying to put together in-house as well. So that's something, something that we're trying to work at the moment. So uh, understanding consumer search behavior across countries, for example, we're trying to pull that at large scale. So we're not just looking at going into various tools to get that information, but how do we 
pull that automatically into a big database that we can then work from when that can form the stories of topics and and just like the entity mapping that you guys have been speaking about um that's normally the shortfalls that we end up seeing is the limitations with the information that you can pull in the interface versus the api uh, so the interface tends to have a lot more information a lot more interactivity api tends to give you that limitation which i'm not not all tool seems to have all the possibility to do and it's the same with Search Console as well, so uh, which tends to be quite um, uh, a painful experience in some cases. But overall, uh, if you can build your own database, that's how we're kind of merging it into to try and connect the dots. It's it's a very, um, what do you call it, baby steps for us right now. Mm. But hopefully in the future, we'll be in a position to understand what is actually going on in the search that's space. That's pretty interesting. So I think the, the from the tools perspective, Martin can... can can disagree uh is is unlimited api is is one thing but the uh, the tools themselves are probably using hybrid data sets themselves to gather their information, so they may not be always able to do unlimited APIs. Uh, that's possibly a, a reason why there's a, a blend between the two. Uh, Louis, do you want to uh, jump in there and uh, talk about the problems of tools? Um, yeah, definitely. So I, I see different problems on different sets of tools. So there will be tools that will provide you with intelligence, data, uh, kind of a more strategical tool, let's call them. And then there's operational tools. Um, and then probably um, right now, the, the, the biggest challenge that I have with my operational tools, the ones that actually help me out to get everything to production. Um, it's definitely reliability. Uh, it's, it's pretty important that you have tech that doesn't break or that doesn't switch your titles just uh, because it's the morning time. And, um, and, and, and what intelligence comes from those operations? Like how, how actually is, uh, are you able to leverage out all the different learnings and, throughout the operation and implementation of a project to become even more efficient moving forward? Uh, I think that that's one part. And then on the intelligence side, uh, I'm usually not a fan of off-the-shelf um, tools. Generally, the data is presented in a way that some product manager imagined that it was the most useful. But what turns out to be is that in every company, you will have different data points, as, um, as it was been uh, mentioned. So. I think that it's pretty important that, that a tool is, is flexible enough to wrap itself around the, the rest of the systems and the rest of the, uh, of the company and, and truly integrate. I think that's pretty important. So I'll allow last word on Mar from Martin now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, so I come at this from the, um, you know, before I was an SEO, I was an Oracle um, certified DBA. So I was kind of used to building out large scale databases before I ever got involved in SEO, but that was like the late 90s. That was when I got started in this. Um, and when I left big brand SEO and started working as a consultant, it became fairly obvious to me that um, the tool suites that are out there right now suffer from exactly the problems that uh, these other gentlemen have, uh, have have noted. I just took down a couple of notes there. Terge said, connecting information. And yeah, there's really good tools at this point in time for individual things, but they don't do a very good job of, of connecting either with your internal data set or with indeed other tools. Um, and Luis mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, that something appears to be in a tool because a product manager thinks it was useful. That was the other problem that I had with all other skilled tool sets. So um, I, I, it isn't something that we sell. Um, I, I've got five full-time staff at the moment and we work as consultants for big brands. But basically we have everything in an in-house tool that eventually will become public. Um, where literally that was the thesis that we started with was, um, okay, so we've got 
20 different data sets here. Um, they're all important in their own individual way, but how do we actually then convert that into actions that need to happen? And how do we track those actions afterwards and what the impact of those items were? Um, but uh, Dixon, you said at the beginning of that, that you know a lot of the problems that many of these tools might have is that they themselves don't have access to the limitless amounts of data that a large brand would want. And that's absolutely the case. So Data is and can be a very expensive thing, particularly when you're looking at crawling the web, for instance. Um, so, you know, I think where most tools fall over is that they try to be everything for the web or everything for an individual website, you know, the, you know, a, a complete all-in-one item, or, you know, they want to be, you know, have 200 different modules and they also crawl the entire internet to look at, you know, every keyword out there. And the reality is, unless you're Google or maybe Bing, that's not a viable option for SEO tools to take. The thing that they should be doing is cataloging, and this is just my opinion, is cataloging every single possible thing about an individual website and the keywords that it should be ranking for, using external APIs where necessary to gather some of that data, but then presenting it in such a way that isn't because a product manager thought it was useful, it's because their SEO team thinks it's useful to see things presented in a certain way and to take actions against it and then be able to use the same platform to be able to report on what the outcome of those actions were so that they can fundamentally define their value within the organization and get more budget and get more headcount and carry on building things moving forward. So that's that's the tact that I've taken. But you know, this the, the only reason that I've spent the last three and a half years working on a tool like this now is because there was a lack of other things in the industry that fulfilled that criteria of connecting all of the information and also being something that was designed for SEOs to be used by SEOs, not by a product manager at a company that's decided they're going to produce an SEO tool because that's the hot new industry. It's also interestingly, to Turgo's point, a, a challenge with the endpoint of an API as well from an SEO tool's perspective. Because um, on one hand, you you say that um, you know the API doesn't contain all the same stuff that you can get on the on the web-based interface and then on the other hand it's a, it's all about limitations of, of usage but the so, so at, at inlinks we've got two apis at the moment i'm not suggesting that we're suddenly going to take over the, the world although uh we have got an, an one where you can get an unlimited use of which uh martin um unlimitedly uses uh an api that we we have um and uh um uh but um, it's not unlimited because it also uses Google's um, API, NLP API as well, which has its own cost associated with it. So we just pass that cost straight over um, to, 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 the, to the user. But ultimately, that's a very narrow API that can go almost unlimited because it's mostly working on our own stuff. Um, we've got another API where the endpoint is a, is a web URL. And then if you really want all of the information, you've got to go and get it all of, off our web, web inter interface because, uh, or, or the endpoint end URL, because we can't just give it all to you in data because it's made up of lots and lots and lots of you know, JavaScript and lots and lots of calls of our own APIs, which you could build yourself, but you'd have to then build the same tools. So I think there's some challenges for, for any, uh, any, any uh, tool to be, provide all the information in the API and at the same time make it unlimited or or limit nearly limitless usage. Um that's my my, my yeah. feedback. But anyway, yeah. uh guys, uh we've hit time already. Um uh, if uh, if 
it, um, why don't I bring back David in and make sure I find out what it is we're talking about on the next show. Uh, what are we doing on the next show, David? Sure. Um, great discussion this month. Next month, we're going to be talking about local SEO, local SEO in 2021. We've got four great guests arranged for that one. We've got Jason Brown, Joy Hawkins, Colin Nielsen and Greg Gifford. And that's going to be on Monday, the 21st of June at 4 p.m. BST. Excellent. That's brilliant. So, guys, uh, last thing for me to, to do is to uh, give you guys to, a chance to have any last thoughts. Um, I'll, I'll send Martin first so that we can shut him up um, and then move on to to uh, Turgay and Louis. Uh, feel free to come back at me on any point I, I may have made. But, Martin, um, where do we find you? What do you want to know? Where do, where do they go? Uh, yep, yeah, sure. Uh, so, I guess probably... Uh, Twitter at search Martin. Uh, that's probably the easiest way just to ask me any random questions. Otherwise, uh, on the web at mog.media. Um, and there's a contact form on there and people can reach me that way. But if it's just a random throwaway kind of enterprise SEO question, or indeed any other SEO question, at search Martin on Twitter. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, Louis? Definitely. Well, first of all, thank you very much, guys. This was a very interesting uh, conversation. And if you want to reach me out, find me on LinkedIn as Luis Rodriguez, the SEO guy. Um, as well, we have uh, plenty of open opportunities at Uber uh, for, for the SEO team. So if you want to join us, just send me a message and we can talk about it. I'll get a job as well. Brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Tergay. Thanks, guys, for having us. Uh, and uh, uh, as always, co contact me via LinkedIn as well, So, uh, which is the easiest way um, to communicate. So Tergay Akar. Um, is, is the name on LinkedIn as well. So happy to answer any other questions. So it just uh, leaves me to say uh, thank you to the audience and thank you very much to you guys for, for coming in. Uh, I think uh, I think I think that the system we're using won't actually cut you off at the end of this, but uh, we'll cut off the, uh, the the feed to the to the general public. So just from from me and from David, uh, thank you very much for coming onto the show and really a, a really stimulating um, and a slightly slightly different approach to uh, to the discussion so i really enjoyed it today thank you very much indeed thank you thank you goodbye everyone